back to Get Outside With Kids, the podcast where we help you have more amazing adventures outside with your kids. And Jen, we are in spring here in the Pacific Northwest, which means not the beautiful glowing sunshine every day that you might hope and like flowers blooming everywhere, but sometimes like absolute torrential downpours and like muddy, muddy, muddy play with our kids, right? It's that season, isn't it? It is. We had a, well, kind of a very, very rainy, but fun weekend. We came to visit you for your birthday, Kate, um, out at Golden Years Park this weekend with some other friends. And oh my gosh, it was rainy. You guys were, you guys pushed through with some of the camping. We were just coming out to visit for the day. Um, the one thing that I loved, I mean, we had this little tarp set up and we were trying to make the best of it. But for to be honest, the kids barely noticed. I feel like, you know, we had dressed our kids head to toe and like, endless layers, all the rain gear. And once we kind of released them to the forest, they just went out there and had a pretty good time. We had some very strategic hot chocolate breaks and we roasted marshmallows to keep spirits high. But it was really nice to see, I think, especially our older kids, they're finally at a place where like, remember that tree stump they were climbing? Like it was pretty high and they were really pushing their bodies. Yeah. And it's like a lot of the things we talk about in our podcast here, like getting your kids outside, they just sort of naturally want to climb and hang off things and move their bodies in ways that as our guest today will tell us are actually really core to them developing basic skills and and like gross motor skills in their body. So we're we're really excited to be talking to Megan from Playwork Physio, which is here in Port Moody where we live um, today, because she kind of took us through some of these things about how kids' bodies move and in particular how they're different from adults' bodies. Um, And I think that, you know, Jen and I see this, you know, we see how our kids move our bodies now at, you know, ages three and five and six-ish. But it really took us back to like, there's all those developmental milestones when you have a baby. Do you remember this, Jen? When you'd be like, oh, my baby's three months old and it, I don't know, what a baby's three months, I don't even know. What does a baby at three months old do? Um, it lifted its they head? Can, they like, can lift up their head. <laughs> I don't know. But remember, it was, like, it was like the wonder, the, the wonder weeks or like the leap app and had all the milestones. And especially with your first kid, poor second child, but with your first kid, you're really trying to make sure that those milestones are really getting hit. And you might be feeling a little bit worried if they're not getting hit on time. Yeah, and sometimes they can be a precursor of something that you you probably should just, you know, go and get it confirmed by a medical professional. Talking to Megan today, I think, really reminded me of that, like really helped to sort of understand how a pediatric physiotherapist can help to assess how your kid's moving their body, but not just from those kind of baby years, Jen, but like as they grow up, the kinds of skills that they're able to do with their body and how important it is. So really excited for you to hear from her about those kind of topics. My mind is still reeling from the information she shared about appropriate footwear for kids. And I'm now thinking, Jen, that maybe my shoes aren't even appropriate for me because I've never thought about the things that she told us to look out for. So we think you're going to love this episode with Megan. She's a mum of two little kids and a physiotherapist at Playworks Physio. And we hope you enjoy it. We're so excited to have Megan joining us today. Megan is a physio and she works at Playworks Physio here in Port Moody. Welcome to the show, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. Megan, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into kids' physiotherapy in particular? We're really interested in this field and and kind of all the sort of different permutations of, of what it means and how you sort of treat kids. So interested in in what interested you about the field and how you got into it. 
So growing up, I always knew that I wanted to work with kids. I always had a passion of um, working with them and playing, uh, playing with them. I grew up babysitting and um, volunteering a lot with different organizations with kids. Um, and initially, I actually wanted to be a pediatrician. Um, and then I got a summer job working as um, a front desk, like an admin staff for a physiotherapy clinic, um, and then really saw how physiotherapists got to build relationships with patients and kind of follow them through their entire plan of care and their journey, um, their rehab journey. And so that's something that really stuck with me, that I wanted to have that relationship with families and with their kids to kind of be with them as they grew and as they were working through whatever um, goals that they were trying to achieve through physiotherapy. And so that's kind of when I decided to uh, pursue a career in physiotherapy. So I went to school at UBC, graduated there, and then have been working in pediatrics ever since. So I guess this this is kind of a question coming from a very naive place on my point of view. Um, you know, typically with adults, we see physios maybe when somebody has some kind of long-term injury, maybe they have a disability or a condition that they need treatment for. Can you tell us about some of the typical reasons why kids are seeking out physiotherapy in particular? So we see um, all kids, so ages zero to 18 for anything they need physiotherapy for. And so the reasons really differ depending on the age that we're seeing. So for babies, we will often see them for torticollis. Um, and so for those of you who aren't familiar with that term, it's when a baby has stiffness in their in one side of their neck. And so they have a preference to turn their head to one direction and they may not be able to fully uh, turn their head to the other direction. And this can also lead to flattening on the baby's head, which is called plagiocephaly. So sometimes if you see babies in the community who are wearing um, helmets, that's to help correct the flat spot on their head. Um, and then we also see babies for gross motor development and a lot of education to parents. So they know what types of gross motor skills they can expect with their babies and, and different things that they can be doing at home to help um, reach those different uh, milestones. Um, and then after that age, we see lots of kids for uh, like developmental delay. So if they're not quite needing the same milestones as their peers or they're a little bit lagging behind and sometimes we see this when kids enter into school and they start doing team sports and things parents notice different things like oh my child isn't quite running as fast or they fall a lot or things like that so we can really help um, kids build their confidence and their skills that way and then we see kids with like growth related pain and injuries so the injuries that kids get whether it's pain or sports injuries they're different than adults. So they're not just miniature adults. You can't just treat them like that. <laughs> um, their injuries are different because their bodies are very different. They're still right. growing. Um, there's different reasons behind the pain. And so our physiotherapists um, are focused and are very familiar with the different types of things that kids can experience and how to treat them. Um, and then, like you said, like any uh, like neurological conditions or things that kids are born with, so cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, um, things like that. We also see kids for um, those things. And then we do concussion baseline testing and concussion uh, rehab after a concussion. So really the list is quite vast with what kids come in for. And so it just, yeah, that's that gives you a little snapshot of what we see in a day. Thinking about this from the, you know, the perspective of getting outside, 
What do you see as the benefits, you know, as, as a physiotherapist who sees all these sort of physical and mental connections for kids as they, as their bodies are growing, what are the benefits that you think are there for, for kids playing outside and, and moving their bodies outside as opposed to inside or in front of screens? Yeah. So that's a, that's a big question because there's, there's so many benefits that come with, uh, being able to get outside. And if I reflect back on myself and think about, the amount of time that I spent outside and have, I have like so many fond memories of like digging in the dirt, climbing trees, even all the imaginary play of like tree forts and all of those type of things. And there are just so many benefits of kids um, going out, being outside and they range from gross motor development, um, reducing stress, cognitive development, social development, and even like environmental awareness. And so all of these things come into play when we're thinking about um, the physical aspect and relating it back to physiotherapy for, for kids. So if we touch on um, like gross motor development and being able to get outside, being outside helps promote play and moving in different ways um, than when kids are indoors. There's more space, they can move differently, there's different surfaces. Um, it gives children the opportunity to challenge their balance. Um, so for example, if you're outside and they're on a trail and they're walking across um, a fallen tree trunk, a log, um, or they're walking on uneven surfaces, so whether this is sand or um, trail or grass, they're stepping over things. So like having to take big steps and like different size steps, which is different than when you're walking inside. So they have to step up and over things or step up onto logs across rocks. Um, all these different I guess, elements that the being outside gives you um, offers kids that uh, challenge and opportunity to develop their gross motor skills in a very different way than inside. And so kids can gain strength um, in all different areas of their bodies through playing. And uh, like I was mentioning with the different surfaces, they can improve balance, uh, ankle stability and strength, overall exercise endurance, um, and so much more just from being outside. When you say it like that, you're like, oh, it's so obvious that playing outside has so many benefits because you think about the uneven services and how you know rough nature is. And then I'm looking at my house here and my kids do a lot of running inside, but the floors are, you know, hopefully flat and mostly even, <laughs> um, sometimes a little bit slippery. That's for different reasons, though. Um, or like and a you're piece right, of like jam left in the middle from breakfast or yeah, a banana yeah. that you forgot about. Yeah. <laughs> There's some things on the floor, but it's certainly not as it's not uneven, it's not bumpy, and they're not climbing or using their bodies the same way that we should be letting kids use their body outdoors, um, which also kind of links back to a topic we've had on the podcast quite a bit about that risky play element. Um, you know, risky play outside is genuinely more risky because inside it's pretty sanitized. Your kid can fall down and still hit their head, but it's it's pretty sanitized play. It's still important for different reasons, but that outside unstructured time where they can really kind of push their limits. Uh, is so much more beneficial. Um, I wanted to ask you, I feel like this dovetails into, uh, it says Playworks Physio tagline is because play works. Um, and I really love that because I feel like it just summed up what you said. So how do you incorporate play into the physio that you're doing for your kids? Well, because kids are not miniature adults. And so when we're doing uh, physiotherapy sessions with them, our, our goal is still to help them reach whatever physical goal we're trying to get to. So whether it's like reducing pain, strengthening different muscles, it may be similar to goals that adults have in physiotherapy, 
but we couldn't just ask a child to here, just stand over here in the room and do 10 squats. I'll be right back to check on you, which is sometimes what an adult physio would be able to do, right? Just tell you to do something, leave you to it, check back on you say, Hey, how's it going? That would not work with a three-year-old as you both know. (laughs) So part of the skill set of a pediatric physiotherapist is to be able to make physiotherapy fun. And there's a huge creative aspect to that. And at Playworks, we integrate play for this. So for example, we do a lot of obstacle courses. Um, We do a lot of game, like play-centered therapy. So if I can give you an example of um, a child, okay, if we use the squat example, so if we're trying to build lower, just like general strengthening for the legs, and you're trying to get some squats, we might do something where they're standing on a BOSU, so similar to what an adult would be doing in physiotherapy, but they would be bending down to pick up um, bean bags and throwing them at foam targets that we have set up to knock them over. Or we can we can do, if it's a younger child, we can do more imaginary play and we're trying to save animals, sea creatures, and bring them back to... Um, to bring them back to their home to rescue them. So maybe they're walking across a balance beam that is like a slippery log. So we're walking across the log in the across the river to rescue the frogs and bring them back to their mommy frog. So things like that, where we're still working on the same goals of strengthening or balance, but we have to integrate it into a game. And that is how our, t- our tagline was born of Because Play Works. That's so cute. that's really cute and in our podcast we talk to you know lots of different specialists different parents people who have different stories about how they're trying to get kids away from screens a lot of the time and outside and what are the kind of physical aspects of when kids have been sitting too long you know like one of the guests who came on was like kids are not supposed to sit so much they're not supposed to sit down eat their breakfast sit in a car go to school sit at a desk come home, sit and eat their dinner and then go sit down and do their homework. They're supposed to move and play video games and screen time if that's something that they're allowed to do during the week as well. But what kind of, how does that sort of manifest in a kid's body? If a kid has been sitting playing video games or watching TV a lot, what kind of things do you see when a kid comes in with, and who's been doing a lot of sitting? I think uh, one thing that we notice with kids that are sitting a lot and have maybe more screen time is that they still may have like pent up energy that needs to be used. And so uh, parents may notice it in other outlets that cut like at home. So behaviorally um, kids might be a little bit more stressed or anxious because they just don't really know what to do with themselves um, by not having had a lot of movement throughout the day. Physically what you might notice is for kids who repetitively have a lot of time sitting or on the couch, um, you s- might start to notice changes in their posture and their overall core stability. So, um, for example, this happens to like almost everybody when they're sitting on the couch and watching TVs, you kind of just slump back um, and you get comfortable, right? And so when you're sitting like that, you're not really using your core muscles or your your postural muscles to help sit you up in an upright position. And so if you think about that over time, sometimes we'll see kids a little bit older, let's say between like 12 and 15 who are coming in and they just are like always in this slumped position and like head forwards, 
maybe like from gaming or playing on an iPad type thing. Um, and so what we're working on at that point is trying to get their core muscles working again. Um, if they have any back pain because of that, we are working on that. And then we're also wanting to just like strengthen their postural muscles so that they can come into an upright position because being in this upright position is just so tiring for them because they just haven't been there. I see Jen trying to sit up straighter. I'm like, that's me. <laughs> I know. I mean, that's a I horrifying so much- thought for our oh. kids. Hey, Jen. It is. I mean, we as adults already spend so much time for, you know, Kate and I both work at a desk and I notice it for sure. And luckily I can make those corrections as an adult, but I think we're seeing those changes now younger in kids because kids do often spend more time. I mean, they're in school and they come home and they're on screens. And so I can't imagine the long-term, the long-term damage we might be doing to their bodies. Um, And the behavior one stands out for me for sure. Like I know some days you got a rainy weekend and you are spending a bit more time inside, but there comes this point where my kids at least for sure just start to go a bit squirrely and you're like oh my gosh we got to get outside like asap because we've hit that like too much screen time in a day and you just see their little bodies they just start hitting each other almost for no reason because they do have this pent-up energy so um i think it's it's all in balance right like screen time and moderation is okay but we really want kids to be moving their bodies um as much as they possibly can um one thing i wanted to ask megan is you know, as a mother yourself, I'm sure you're so cognizant of these things because it's your own it's your own field. So, do you feel like it kind of plays into your own uh, motherhood or parenthood journey uh, that you're like extra watching for these things or making sure those gross development skills are getting checked off the list with your two young children? I do. I think I'm more aware, um, but I also am. I make a conscious effort of not to physio my kids. So I do take them into Playworks Physio to have like check-ins every so often to make sure things are on track um, and focus on like different things. So for example, my son uh, since birth had a bit of a diastasis, so had a little bit of a separation in his ab muscles. And so uh, we'll do like a little boost of physiotherapy sessions with one of the physios at Playworks Physio. every year just so that he can really work on that and it is improving um but that's just something that i so i'm like aware of where they are in their development but i'm not the one to go and fix it um but in terms of like getting outside and and doing like having them engage in in um various physical tasks and activities i definitely try to promote that as a as a lifestyle uh choice in our household Tell us, Megan, a little bit about footwear for kids. I've been really fascinated by this um, idea. I think particularly because my three-year-old at the moment is having, firstly, she just hates socks in general. Like there's not a sock she's ever found she's loved. I'm like, but this one has unicorns. And she's like, it's not for me. Um, And so the sock problems (laughs) often then go into shoes because I'm like, well, if you're not wearing socks, can I really put you in your rubber rain boots? Like that sounds uncomfortable. And we actually, she got a little blister on her foot on the weekend because she was wearing, I didn't even realize she didn't have any socks on under her boots. (laughs) (laughs) But I would love to know how to, like how important is appropriate footwear for our kids you know particularly our kids feet growing so quickly it can be hard to know is it something we should be investing in for our children yeah this is this is a a big topic and footwear is really important um so i would say at home um kids should barefoot is best so giving uh their their foot intrinsic muscles the opportunity to strengthen so that when you think of um the 
a child's foot and the arches, the arches are developed by the muscles strengthening. So the little muscles in the feet, as they get stronger, those are, that's what forms the arches in the feet. Um, and so if they aren't given the opportunity to strengthen, then that's when kids may have lower arches or flatter feet. Um, so at home, if they're able to play barefoot, then that's great. Um, but then when you're outside, uh, appropriate footwear is really important. So finding a shoe. Um, so one of the big things is finding a shoe that fits properly. So you don't want to have a shoe that's too big. I know it's hard because kids feet are growing so fast. Um, but the big thing that we want to look for when we're fitting a, a shoe for a child is that the flex point on a shoe. So if you hold the shoe at the toe and at the heel, and you bend, push your hands together, every shoe has a point where it bends close to where the where your foot bends when you're walking, right? Like at the edge of your toes. So every shoe has that. So when you're fitting your child's foot into a shoe, you want to make sure that that part lines up with where their foot bends. If you get a shoe that's too big for them, that point, that flex point is not going to line up with where their foot is. So the shoe's oh. going to be bending somewhere else than where their foot is. So that's one thing. So you don't want to get shoes that are too big. I just had to look at my foot to see where it bends because I couldn't remember what a f- how a foot works. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a great point. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other thing when you're thinking about shoes is you want to have um, – like flexible soles are really good uh, for if we're looking at running shoes. Obviously, the shoe that we're looking at depends on the activity and the terrain that we're going to be in. Um, but if for a standard running shoe, if we can get a flexible sole, then that's really good so that we can get those still have those foot intrinsic muscles working as much as we can while they're in the shoe. Um, and then the other thing is having a shoe that you can adjust and tighten so that it can be well secured on their foot. Um, because when they're walking, if they're, if their shoe is kind of flopping around and isn't held tightly down on their foot, um, what we can have is kids who are gripping with their toes to hold, help hold the shoe on. And then that can lead to other issues. Um, so having a shoe that isn't too big, that fits properly and that you can tighten, um, around their foot. So when we're looking, it gets a bit trickier when we're thinking about rain boots and snow boots, because so many kids, all kids pretty much have like the standard rubber rain boot. And those are really tricky for kids to walk in. Um, so if we're thinking about um, good rain appropriate outdoor footwear, um, trying to find something like a waterproof hiking boot and a lot of shoe brands now make like a water for even toddler size. Um, but then you can either have like a Velcro strap to tighten it on or um, some have laces and then a zipper on the side so that it's easy for like little kids to get on and off but something like that where their foot is supported it's a waterproof shoe but it's tight it's like secure on their foot they're not having to grip their toes to keep it on and uh, if you think about flip-flops for example in the summer when you're walking in flip-flops sometimes you have to use your toes to grip onto them so it's the same for kids in clunky rain boots and then summer footwear same with flip-flops so we want to try and not have kids walking in flip-flops like of course there's a time and a place like at the pool or if you're just doing like short distances um but in terms of like outdoor play and walking in the summer it's best to get a sandal that also can secure onto the foot so they're not having to grip with their toes 
That is so interesting. And I'm regretting the walk that my kid did in her <laughs> rubber boots, particularly because she had no socks on and got a blister. <laughs> but there's what I'm hearing is that I have an opportunity to make a change and that it is worth investing, particularly, I think, you know, if you're listening to this and I, I know you have, you have young kids too, Megan, but like as your kids get bigger, the growth spurts slow down a tiny bit maybe than like baby, you know, th- babies go through things so quickly. So at least my kids are wearing their shoes for like a few months now instead of like a few weeks. So yeah, I think it is probably worth some some more investment on my part. I'm also curious, Megan, In we were talking to a friend the other day, uh, Jen and I were, who was telling us about uh, a friend's kid who at a very young age has gotten into a sport that's very intense on a body. So at, say the age of 12 is doing a lot of ski jumping, not ski jumping, Jen, freestyle skiing. Anyway, where they're, they're putting, they're doing a lot of massive jumps, a lot of twisting, a lot of very heavy landing and, and heavy impact on the body. I'd be interested in your perspective on this because, you know, one of the things we've been thinking about is the sort of scheduling aspect of kids having lots of activities and lots of sports in their lives and how hectic that can make your life and how it sort of takes away from that free unstructured play, particularly outdoor time and from your family time, but also in terms of the impact on kids' bodies. How do you know what's an appropriate impact for a kid to be having on their body? How do you know when a sport is maybe pushing them too far? Because, you know, there are so many, you could get your kid into any kind of activity you want. It could be ice hockey, it could be soccer, it could be, you know, skiing at a really high level. Where is that line and how do you know when your kid might be crossing it and getting too deep into it for how developed their body is? That's a, that's a really good question. And, uh, point to consider. Um, I think it's, there's a lot of factors that go into decisions like that. Um, of course, like the physical well-being of the child is a big one. Um, but mm-hmm. I also think that, um, some kids find passion in different sports and want to be in it and they like the social aspect of it. And they find a lot of, um, just overall fulfillment from being in this sport. And so that is probably a big driver for for why some of these kids continue with these different activities in terms of the physical aspect and the loads on their body. I think if there is opportunity to still be doing other types of physical movement and activity outside of the, the, the one main sport that they're doing, then that's really good just to give the body a a variety of different movement patterns and not always be stuck in like the same repetitive uh, types of movement um, that a sport may bring. And then also um, teaching kids to be aware of their bodies starting at a young age so that they are in tune with when something hurts. Um, If they're pushing themselves too hard, uh, if they need to take a break. So these are all things that parents can can kind of make judgment calls from observation, but a lot of it comes from the child's self-awareness of their own bodies. And so some of this comes from a young age of, of having that free play and that outdoor time um, and just being able to move lots and see how their body moves and how it works and, and falling and you know, feeling what different um, types of pain may be in their body Um, and communication with the parent too, to kind of help bring language and vocabulary, vocabulary around these different things. And so being outside is a great way to, to, you know, 
talk about some of these things that you may be feeling like on a long walk, your legs might be feeling heavy or tired. So start even that sort of conversation at a young age will lead into more body awareness as kids get older and are in these high level sports um, and they can be more self-aware of their bodies. And that's one thing at Playworks Physio that we strive to do within all of our sessions too, is to empower kids and uh, help them learn about their bodies and em empower them so that they know how to take care of their bodies throughout life, not just while they're in clinic with us for that one hour treatment, however many weeks they're coming, we want them to to know and be in tune with their bodies for so that they can advocate for themselves and know what uh, is best for them. Yeah, I think there's so many, so many good points there because like our children, you know, the three of us here today are all still at the younger ages. And we've talked a lot on this podcast. Like sometimes you're out for a hike and sometimes you're like a hundred meters into the hike and your kids are like, my legs are so tired. And you're like, you couldn't possibly <laughs> be tired. I can still see the car right there, you yeah. know? Um, and you as a parent, you as a parent have to make the judgment call to go like, we're going to push through, we're going to be okay, we're still going to move our bodies. But there are potentially other times where you do want your child to speak up and advocate for themselves when they really are in pain or they have pushed their bodies, uh, you know, maybe too far. So, And they have a blister on their foot that you didn't know about. <laughs> yeah, they do have a blister on their <laughs> foot. Um, yeah, no. So I, I like the idea of like being in tune with your child, empowering your child and seeing where that conversation might lead. Yeah, and the idea that... that um, you know, like you say, I think because our kids are young, they haven't really been able to express much interest in many, and they also haven't tried many sports. But I think absolutely what you're saying when kids get to the point where they can say, hey, like, I'm really into whatever, soccer or synchronized swimming or whatever it is, and I really want to do more of it. And they can actually say that, like a three-year-old can't say that. <laughs> um, so, I really, but I love that idea of the body awareness part. And I think that's that's a really key thing that can happen right from when you start talking to them, you know, <laughs> and they're yeah. aware of their body from, you know, the, from birth, if you're talking to them about it the whole time. So I guess, you know, for example, the fact that my kid got a massive blister on their foot because they didn't have any socks on under their <laughs> as now identified inappropriate footwear. We know that things go wrong when you get outside with kids. <laughs> and um, and I'm sure, you know, as the as the parent of two little kids, this probably happens to you, but we always like to ask our guests, you know, what kinds of things have gone wrong with you when you've been getting outside with your kids? Have you got a story of a time when things went wrong with your little ones? How do you kind of handle it? How do you pick things up and, and sort of keep going when you struggle outside with your own children? There's lots of stories that come to mind for me just by having <laughs> a two-year-old and an almost four-year-old. You can imagine the chaos that <laughs> often happens um, with this age group. Um, but recently we were in Palm Springs for a couple of weeks in March. And so we went to a smaller hike or walk, I would say. I think it was called like the Palm Desert Oasis, maybe. It was just outside of Palm Desert, a really nice uh, area with like really old palm trees. Um, there was part of it was like a boardwalk within the trees. And then there was another portion like a sandy trail. So like desert arid type of setting um, out in the beating sun. And so we started the walk. I think it was just under two kilometers for the loop that we were doing. Um, and so the first part was the boardwalk in the shade with the big trees. The kids did great. Um, everyone walked along nicely. 
And then we get out to the open part, which was the Sandy Trail. Um, It was a pretty hot day. So it was like maybe 26 to 28 degrees, but with no shade and two little kids. That's pretty warm. Um, And my two-year-old daughter decided that she wanted to sit down and play in the sand. And we're all... Good decision. Great decision. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Big so at first it was cute. We were like, okay, yeah, play in the sand. Like it's nice out. It's pretty warm. It's fine. Um, but then she didn't want to move. So she was like sitting, digging in the sand. We're all like ready to move on. And we still had half this hike left. And she's like, bum in the sand, not going to move, um, which led to a big, as you can imagine, two-year-old tantrum. And so <laughs> we had to have that power struggle getting out of to finish the hike in the blazing sun. Um, But we made it. Everyone was fine. And in the end, had a good time. Uh, But just having to handle the emotions of a toddler while also trying to um, complete what like our outdoor activity. I sort of struggle with that too, right? I mean, it's, you might call it hustle culture. You might just call it needing to get back to the car. But like when you've got, when you're on a hike with your kids and they're doing something really sweet, like digging in the sand or playing with a little thing or making a little something out of sticks. But you're like, I know what happens if we stay here. Things don't get better. They get worse because we're hungry because yeah. we have to have a nap or we have to get back to the car. We're doing a long drive ahead of us. And so I have this often where I had this on the weekend too, where it was like, as sweet as this is, I know this won't last. And I have to break up something that I know is great, which is like the unstructured play opportunity of your kid digging in a desert (laughs) and like actually say like, I think I know, I think I know what's best for us. Um, So I I had that exact same feeling on the weekend and it, it kind of sucks because it is a very cute moment. Um, So Megan, if people want to know more about Playworks Physio, where can they find you like physically and where can they find you online as well? So the clinic physically is located in Newport Village in Port Moody. Um, You can Google us Playworks Physio. And we're also on uh, Facebook and Instagram. So if you follow us on either of those platforms, we post updates of what we're up to. Um, You can kind of see some of the activities that we do within the clinic. Um, We host a free mom and baby event on the last Friday of each month called Village Fridays. And so this is a free drop-in event um, that we have now limited to 10 in-person spots. And we also uh, have a hybrid. So we have virtual option as well. But each month we have a different guest speaker come. So something related to child development, uh, parenting. Uh, For example, one month we had a pediatric speech therapist uh, talking about language development in kids. Uh, then we had a music therapist who kind of ran like a baby music class for us. So Yikes. things like that. And so we share that information on our social media pages. So leading up to the last Friday of each month, we will do a post to let everyone know who the presenter will be. Um, and then any of our groups that we have as well. So just to list a couple, we have like mom and baby Pilates. Uh, we do baby motor milestone groups as well um, for babies ages zero to 12 months. And then we have a music and movement group for toddlers as well. So all of the information for these groups and upcoming groups that we have are posted on our social media. Awesome. Wow. You have a lot of things going on. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for being here, Megan. I, I don't know, Jenna, I, I think I could have asked a million more questions here. I'm fascinated by the shoe thing. And like, I'm now going to go and look at my own shoes and be like, do they even fit me correctly? I've never <laughs> thought about that bending thing. So good to know about the shoes. And, and it's really good to know that there are these supports in place in your community. Um, and I think too, like, don't wait to go to physio. I think if you're suspecting that your child is, is having some challenges or experiencing some delays, um, there are places that spe- uh, specifically work in kids' physio development. And I'm so glad we have one right here in our community. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's been great, Megan. Thank you so much. We'll drop in all of those links into our show notes so you can uh, go and follow Playworks Physio. And even if you're not in the Port Moody area, um, you can still benefit from the resources that they share through the social media there and their virtual events that they host as well. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode, and I think as Megan was talking about this, you know, particularly if you have a baby or you know somebody with a baby and they're getting worried about those developmental milestones. You know, Jen and I are a little removed from the baby phase, but I remember how worried they could make people. If you found this episode useful, would you please go and share it with them? Send them a link and let them know, like, here's some things to think about. Maybe maybe pediatric physiotherapy would be useful um, to, to at least get some of those things checked out. Um, we'd also love to interact with you over on Instagram. The best place to, to send us messages is our Instagram account at Get Outside With Kids. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of the podcast. <laughs>